You're listening to Charge, a CCS podcast. Welcome, y'all. This is Chad Dirksy, and you're listening to the Charge podcast. Uh, This is an effort by Chattanooga Christian School in particular to help its constituents understand why we do what we do and what goes on behind the scenes as we make important decisions that are intended to shape and form uh, the lives of our students in distinctively Christian ways. So today we're going to start kind of a series that uh, goes to the heart of how we make the decisions we make about the programs at CCS. And we typically define those by saying they're curricular and they're co-curricular, or they're the things that happen in the classroom and everything that we wrap around those things. So part of that is going to be talking about things like how we select literature texts, how we study particular periods of history that have evidence of beauty and brokenness. Part of that will be about things like theater and fine arts. Other pieces of that will be how we think about the structure of an elementary school classroom and where movement uh, plays a role in that, particularly for our younger ones as they bear God's image. And some of that will have to do with things like athletics and the choices that we make in those environments. But today, what we want to do is set the stage for that. So I have a group of people with me, and I'd like to go around the room um, and have these friends introduce themselves. And if you could just tell me your name and, and, and everyone else that's listening, of course, and, and what your primary role is at CCS. So let's start over here. My name is Nikki Ellis. I'm the academic dean, and I'm back on the podcast again and glad to be here. Um, and I had the great joy this year of spending a few weeks in an English eighth grade honors classroom for a little while. So I got back to my English teaching roots, which was a joy. My name is Ann Hartman, and I'm serving as the capstone coordinator this year, which means I'm leading the team of teachers who are guiding our seniors through the first iteration of the CCS senior capstone. And I am also staying in touch with my English teaching roots by teaching some 12th grade English. My name is Jessica Novikoff, and I am in my third year of teaching modern world history and for for 10th graders and contemporary global history for 12th graders. Well, thank you all for being here. It's it's good to be back after fall break. It was good to take four school days off, but it's also good to be back and have students in front of us again. Mm. Um, what I'd like to do today is start by talking about the distinct aim of everything that we do at CCS. Often schools talk about mission, and we think that mission is really, really important. But we, in addition to thinking about the mission of the school, we want to think about what we're aiming at. And in that context, we're going to talk about a graduate profile and how that actually is foundational to the decisions that we make uh, on a day-to-day basis, even, or a moment-by-moment decision about what happens in our classrooms. And then to kind of shape and form the discussion that we're going to have about programs, we're going to talk about the Capstone Project at CCS, as Anne's already mentioned. Um, we've, we've initiated or inaugurated the Capstone Progress Project this year um, for, for some very specific reasons. And understanding that it's initiated or inaugurated this year, it also means that it goes through a series of iterations as we learn and grow. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But what I'd, what I'd love to talk about first, if, if we can, is if we think about our aim as a graduate profile, we could also even kind of put that in the context of a question is what is success or how do we look at success as we think about school in general, the things we do at CCS, or even as we look at our students when they're 30 years old or 40 years old, right? What, what, would we, what do we hope to see 
uh, as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit, specifically through um, the programs and services that we provide at CCL. So I know that's a pretty broad question, but let me throw that out there. I, I know there's somebody that wants to answer that and have me stop talking so you can start. Yeah, thanks, Chad. I think um, success, right, is that sense of um, accomplishing a certain goal. And I think one of the first things we're really interested in is recognizing is that while we're going to have goals and establish a direction and a purpose, um, accomplishment in the sense of completion or arrival isn't necessarily the goal we're interested in what is a lifelong right and good direction. So whether I'm currently in high school, currently in lower school, um, or in my 30s and 40s and beyond, um, I'm moving in a certain direction. Part of what that means is that even as we establish uh, language and direction as a graduate profile for students, none of us, faculty or administration, are saying, be like me because I've arrived. Um, this is something we're all in process towards together. Um, and that the simplest version of our graduate profile does focus on that language of growth, which I think really capitalizes on that sense of direction. So we we want CCS to be a place for students to grow as lovers of God who seek truth, serve others, and steward creation and culture. Um, and, and right away, that's a, that's a goal that sets such a challenge. As I mentioned, it's directional, but it's also not readily measurable, and it's certainly something we can't control. I absolutely cannot guarantee or make it a graduate requirement that our students would be lovers of God. Um, that's an invitation and a direction and an aspiration, and we want to shape things towards that end. Um, but And we recognize that it's it's worthwhile to have a goal that is larger than that which can be readily measured or guaranteed. Um, and right away, that that's a, a bit of a difference compared to other things. Um, and, and we also want to recognize in, in some of the language unpacking that, that that when it comes to, to truth-seeking, to serving others, and to stewarding creation and culture, that is a, a desire to equip each student as they are able. Um, so we recognize that God has given each one of us um, um, a, div a diverse array of gifts and contributions and abilities. Um, so this isn't some static standard out there that's the same level for everyone to meet, but a direction... Um, and, and a, a mind, heart, imagination, um, and, and orientation for action. Um, and we're all able to move towards it in, in different ways. And the, the goal is to shape each, each student in that direction. So. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you chose something to the effect of gifts and talents, but also contributions. Mm -hmm. uh, that implies certainly overtly that this is bigger than an individual goal or trajectory. Um, I think it's important as we consider ourselves even a covenantal Christian school in a reformed tradition that we understand the beauty of God's work, that, that we're reformed um, by his work and that we're always reforming. And that's, that's a, a growth trajectory that continues throughout our lives. And we certainly want the, the programs and activities that we do at CCS to mirror and model that understanding that we want to cultivate a spirit of growth and a process towards that goal, understanding that it isn't always a linear trajectory, but we can too often get focused on only the individual components of that and keeping in mind. And I, I don't mean to overstate it because I think I've probably said it in five out of the seven episodes that that covenantal component 
presupposes that that God's promise that we're blessed to be a blessing is made to a community. It's mm-hmm. to the people of God, of which, yes, we have our, our, our own unique or diverse gifts and talents, but those aren't meant to separate us or to keep us in isolation. They're actually wonderfully and beautifully designed to unite us together. It's it's like the right sides of the magnet that pull together and not force us apart um, so that we serve God and advance his kingdom as a community growing together. It's one of the beautiful pictures of a Christian school community is it isn't just gifts and talents that we have that we we are different. It's just perspectives and life experience. And it's a beautiful way to see as classes grow together. I was talking to one of the leaders of the senior trip that they just took last week that was really encouraged. But the way he saw members of a class grow together, recognizing this is the first year that we've done it in the fall, that now they have still three quarters of a school year to be able to see that growth continue rather than doing it at the end of the year uh, when they just graduate and some of them never see each other again. So we're excited about that. But any of the rest of you have any thoughts about kind of graduate profile and why would that even matter? Why does this matter? Why not just worry about like today was the PSAT? Why not just worry about that? Is that not enough? Or why would CCS even care about this? I love how the mission statement talks about seeking his kingdom in all areas of the home, church, society, and culture. And I think that ties in, Chad, with what you've been talking about. Our students have been gifted and called by God to be a part of his kingdom rebuilding. And part of school is to help equip them in all manners of life to do that kingdom rebuilding with him. And I think... Um, the graduate profile lays out the distinctive ways in which we as teachers want to implement that and help our students grow in those areas within the classroom itself. So that means that things like the PSATs do matter, but also things like the graduate profile and the capstone project matter as well. So isn't, it isn't reducing it to there's something wrong with the PSAT. It's saying that's a part of a bigger picture uh, that we're trying to promote. So specifically, how do we see that happen? I think one helpful example there is uh, just what you were saying a moment ago about um, being careful about the individual bent of some measures of success. Um, so we've talked some in the ninth grade class more along the lines of why are we here? Um, so that sense of a, a corporate identity and a clear purpose um, located in a place for particular action. Um, and and so one, one specific example of that is is that when we talk about truth-seeking, um, for, for each one of those three areas, seeking truth, serving others, and stewarding creation and culture, we have about seven listed um, kind of substandards. I won't read them all for you at this moment, but would encourage you to look that up. But a, a good example of something that, that transcends what the PSAT asks students to do is that um, we are seeking to equip students to seek truth by engaging with others in discourse, research, and inquiry. So um, research is something that I'm doing with somebody else every time I'm reading a text written by another human being, um, dead or alive. Um, There's a communal engagement across time and place. Um, And that that then also needs to look like um, robust conversation and pushback with peers, with teachers, wrestling together to understand what does this text actually say? Um, What's going on here that I can make sense of? Um, And that... Again, that, that engagement is communal. There's not just a sense of like, I can seek truth by myself. Um, that's not what we're designed for. 
um, the, the statement about the human being created alone was, it's not good. Um, so there's that together action. I think, I think the, the communal emphasis is, is one way. I think there are a lot of others. I'd be curious um, in terms of some other, other areas of highlight that you see. I think it's helpful that it gives a vision of the kind of people that mm-hmm. we want for students to be and that that vision reflects our belief in who they are as image bearers, that the vision is not of them as receptacles who are going to receive knowledge and skills and then go and apply them in a new context. But it, it, it there's room for that. But we're seeing them as active agents who are growing, who are participating in these lifelong pursuits of seeking truth, serving others, stewarding creation and culture that they they aren't going to complete, but they're going to be engaged in pursuing. That's th- Those are the people that we want them to be as they leave here. It, it is exciting to think about that picture. Um, I, I come back to this where Matt in one of the earlier podcasts again was was talking about as he looked out at all the students that we have an imp- the the privilege to engage that that the fullness of that potential that's available um, we know that's true because we understand and we 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 emphasize the nature of what it means to be made in his image we also realize this is a a fallen world so one of the things that sticks out for me relative to stewarding creation and culture by taking responsibility for the scope and weight of their actions in all areas of life. Um, maybe you could tell me how, how was, how does a school do that? Right. Cause that, that, that certainly says um, scope and weight could be something positive and growth producing. It also could be something that it creates discord or disunity. So how do we work through that specific part of stewarding creation and culture within a school context? I think one of the one of the primary things that strikes me about that, and that I also th- I think about, is um, agency and accountability. Um, so when I'm taking responsibility for something, I'm recognizing that I have choice. I can make choices. I can I can bear dominion. I can I can build and make things, and I can also think about the um, impact and ramifications of those things and recognize that I have responsibility for that. If I bring something into the world, I have responsibility for the effects of that. Um, one of the texts that students read for summer reading is Frankenstein. Um, and this is this is a text about um, generating, um, generating a human being, right? Which is like intellectual curiosity of all kinds and this sort of fascinating discovery, but inadequate consideration for the ramifications of that, of sort of this, um, Victor, spoilers ahead, Victor Frankenstein has this <laughs> moment of horror when he realizes that this creature that has... Um, you know, taken every one of his waking moments is is ugly and despicable to him, um, monstrous, in fact, right? And then it it wreaks havoc, um, and those are his his choices that have led to that. Um, so that sense of of both recognizing that I can take action and build things, and that I'm I have responsibility for the ramifications, which means um, when I make a choice, I'm going to need to give some forethought. Um, to what might be some of the outcomes for that. Um, and that can be as as tiny as, you know, considering how I spend my time during a study hall, um, as what I choose to study or explore when I'm given a wide range of, of topics to select from. Um, and then just recognizing that the words that I employ in conversation with my peers um, can bring life or can bring death. And I have responsibility for that. I can't just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, well, 
you just aren't hearing me correctly. Um, and that's a powerful thing, again, not just for students, but for all of us as adults in hopefully productive community with one another as well. One of the other things that strikes me under kind of they seek truth by solving complex problems and with creativity and careful thought, I, I run into people all the time, particularly in this emphasis on real tangible 21st century skills, right? Like coding and and balancing a checkbook. I'm not saying either one of those things are bad. Those are wonderful things that are necessary. Um, although I was with with my my son uh, who's married, lives in Charlotte, and he was he was talking about the fact that he's never written a check in his life before. So even when I say balancing a checkbook, I realize that that dates me to some degree. But oftentimes yeah, people ask I'm me. I'm going to jump in here because I have written several checks, but I've never balanced a paper checkbook either. Just all right, all right, all right. You understand <laughs> what I was trying to get at. I, I think the the <laughs> the the thing that that I often get asked is why why do we focus on chemistry and geometry right those are complex things we're solving problems with creativity and careful thought but a lot of people will say well they'll never use those specific skills of of chemistry and and geometry ever again but but that's part of the distinctive view we have of the learning process because oftentimes those are the two most challenging subjects to teach because it, it forces our younger students to think more creatively and more thoughtfully and see patterns that they've never been asked to see before. That's why it's so difficult to teach those two subjects. But that translates right into the ability to solve problems, complex problems into the future. Maybe, maybe if some of you could pick up on that whole idea of should we just be studying things that I know there's going to be a, a direct correlation between that specific piece of content and what I do tomorrow, or is there a bigger picture? And how do we think about that in terms of whether we study that in history or if it's math and science? How, how is that seeking truth in a distinctive way? Pick me up here yeah, since I, say, I just talked about balancing checkbook. And discipline connections here might be navigating right. primary sources, um, thinking about reading poetry. No, but I was um, thinking about the connection to general revelation. If we believe that all truth is God's truth, then truth, wherever it is found, is worthy of studying. And so if we are seeking to uh, help our students seek truth, all elements of God's world, history, literature, art, music, are just as relevant as chemistry and physics because truth is there to be sought. And that would be my, that would be my big picture reason for including those liberal arts um, into the core curriculum itself and why they're so important. Well, let's talk specifically about the Capstone Project. Let's make a jump there because I think it helps us illustrate some of these other components. So maybe, Anne, if you could, maybe within the framework of what we're talking about in terms of graduate profile, talk a little bit about the Capstone Project. What's its purpose and design and intent? And, and even what are we learning? What are we as adults learning through mm. the process as we roll this out in, mm -hmm. in year number one? So the capstone is giving us a way of seeing where students are on this trajectory of growth in these areas by giving them the opportunity to be seeking truth, to be looking for ways to serve others, to be participating in the stewarding of creation and culture, which I think, which means taking responsibility for the scope and weight of their actions as they're stewarding their time and resources in the midst of a very busy senior year. So it's giving them the opportunity to do those things. And I think what distinguishes it from 
doing those things in a more typical class is the level of independence. So they are choosing a complex problem or question or need that they are learning about, um, and but not just learning about over the course of the year. So our purpose statement for the capstone is that it is challenging students to understand, care about, and redemptively respond to a significant problem, question, or need. So that idea of head, heart, and hands all working together, um, and that, that students are, are choosing something that they're interested in, and then over the course of the year, um, learning about what, what is the problem in this area? Where does it come from? What should this area of creation look like? What are people currently doing to respond to this problem? Then what, what can I do to be part of a redemptive response? Where can I um, use my own sphere of influence and my own resources to help bring about change? And maybe that looks like coming alongside other people who are already working in this area, um, thinking about the communities that I'm a part of and how I can can sort of leverage my uh, my influence there. So we're we're inviting them to look at some of the broken places of the world and say, it doesn't have to be this way. And I I am called even as a high school student, high school senior, to be part of the work of. I think the, the already not yet work of restoration, of moving things towards what they were intended to look like. In a lot of ways, it's, it's valuing the person and the people that are our seniors to mm-hmm. say you have valid and important contributions that you can make to these things. Some of those contributions, as you do your research and study and kind of identify the problems and what solutions are already there. Some of those things may be to join with others, right? To enter into community with others and participate in that making new activity that God calls us to. Some of it may be creating a credible alternative, right? Mm -hmm. Using your gifts and talents to say, well, that doesn't seem to be working, but based on these factors, I think we should try X, Y, or Z rather than A, B, or C. So, is it encouraging both of those things? You could be joining with others mm-hmm. to to do and participate in what's already being done, or it could be joining with others uh, to do something new and to create some new solutions. Do both of those things exist within mm-hmm. kind of the scope of it? Maybe you could talk about, even give a couple examples of student projects that have already been chosen. So I was just having a conversation with two students last period about where they are in their capstone work, and they were both thinking towards next semester when we're focusing on the project and saying like, I, I, my topic is Gen Z leaving the church. I, I mean, I'm part of Gen Z, but I can't fix this problem. Or my topic is corruption in the video game industry. What can I do about that? So Hmm. inviting them to think about, okay, well, what, what are you learning over the course of this and who are the people in your sphere who either have the ability to do something, so you are in Gen Z, you have access to youth pastors and pastors who who may benefit from hearing from you, or you're a high school student with the knowledge of video games, you have a whole community of peers who are engaged in video games and their parents who may not know what kinds of um, corruption in the industry they're unknowingly supporting. So how can you take what you're learning and think about who else would benefit from this, who can I come alongside um, who's already working in this area? That's helpful. I think one of the one of the 
um, points of the graduate profile that we talk about in terms of service, right? So they the serving others by understanding the contexts mm-hmm. that shape individuals, communities, cultures, and nations. And I don't I don't know how often we pause to remember that taking the time and demonstrating the humility to understand is actually um, an act of service or care. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's beautiful to hear of. And I, I, it's just helpful to hear the specifics too, in terms of the things that students are thinking about and excited about, you know, like I'm fascinated and curious about that now, but if I was set up to do research tomorrow, I'm not sure I would have selected those two topics. Right. Right. Well, and that's the beautiful part right. about that agency, right? Where mm-hmm. It's part of the curriculum that they get to ultimately design mm-hmm. in terms of what they choose to study. You, you know, this whole idea of seeking truth to understand is part of how we care. Um, you know, if maybe you guys could talk about this in terms of student life, because you're doing it day to day. One of the things that concerns me is how hard it is to seek truth in these days. We, this is an oversimplification, but it seems like even the the way that we seek information to understand is often in silos, mm. and it's harder to access the full range of information that we need to be fully informed, or at least enough informed to be able to make suggestions or join with others. But just the the idea of seeking truth. Um, that seems more complicated to me than it was 10 years ago. How, how's that showing up even in how you engage students and what are you telling them about where to find information, right? We, we have less books in our library, but we have more access to information than we've ever had before. In one sense, that means we have less control because before they had access to the books we had in our library, now they have access to a wealth of information. How are you helping them discern to process, to assimilate what needs to be assimilated and to kind of leave out the stuff that's noise? Tell me a little bit about how you're facing that day-to-day with students, whether you're counseling them and engaging them one-on-one or you're, you're teaching a history class or an English class. How's that happening? Well, one of the ways in which uh, in the classroom we work on that is simply by determining, is this source a reliable source? Is it an appropriate source to use? Uh, a, a website with historical information written for children might not be as appropriate for a research paper as a more ac- academic source. So how do we determine those if I look at them side by side? How can I figure those sorts of things out? So some of it is just learning the, the specific tools and skills of determining reliability of a source. And this is, this is very practical, but it's also really important in a day-to-day level. And I think giving students some questions to ask as they are gathering sources, what is it that makes this person an authority in this area? And then what is it that makes them trustworthy? How do I know what their aim is in providing this information. So in our capstone meeting today, students were looking up sources and working on assessing credibility. And there was a student who's researching the clothing industry and the difference between clothing companies who were manufacturing in the U.S. versus outsourcing. And so she found what looked like a really helpful source, but she said, hmm, this is from a clothing company. Mm. So there's the, yes, these people certainly have the knowledge about domestic manufacturing, but at the same time, of course they want you to buy their clothes. So there's some potential bias, but saying that doesn't mean that you then throw out the source. You just say, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to read this with a discerning lens and mm-hmm. think about what what information is useful, what do I need to maybe ask some more questions about or look to some other sources to confirm 
what I what I'm hearing here. So I think again, that's part of equipping them with the tools to continue to do this beyond the scope of a class research project or the capstone. Saying how am I as I'm taking in information? How am I seeking truth? How am I stewarding my resources? How am I serving others by not um, perpetuating or passing on information that may not be reliable or valid? Yeah, and how how am I how am I evaluating bias in a way? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that understands and accepts the fact that all of us come at things with bias. Right. And, and there are times when that bias is good and appropriate and helpful. And there are times when when that's twisted in ways that aren't helpful. And I think that that to me is critical thought. Critical thought isn't you, you're bad, I'm good. It's, it's working through those mm-hmm. realities. It's learning from others, even though we may come to different conclusions. So in that light, we've talked a bit about what our students are learning as we've gone through this process for the first time, right? This is, this is a new piece at CCS. We've been talking about it for some time. I personally, as the head of school, think this is a, a wonderful thing. And, and I'm really grateful to be part of a community who's doing this. But as you've gone through it in the first semester, we've talked a little bit about busy lives. You know, there's lots of changes that have happened over the past decade. Some of that is when we apply for colleges and the pressure that students feel that that just happens to right be now at the same time we're doing other things. What have we learned and how have we grown as adults as an institution from what we've learned already in the first quarter of implementing this process? So I think one of the things that we have said to students or invited students to say about the issues that they're looking at is it doesn't have to be this way. And that that implies a way that things should be. That implies that they are not now as they should be, but they can be different. And I think just glancing down at that phrase makes me think as we run into challenges in this process, we are having moments of saying, hmm, it, it doesn't have to be this way. So if students are experiencing this as an added burden of work whose purpose that they don't understand that seems like I'm just being asked to write an essay instead of doing community service for a semester. How can we, how can we help them see the purpose behind the work? Um, how can we support them in stewarding their time to accomplish this work? How can we get really helpful information from them, both on their experience and on some of how they are doing this work that helps us then see how we can give clear directions, provide more helpful support, give more time, change things up that that make this um, make this into a process whose purpose they can see sometime before May nineteenth. That's great. Any other things that anybody wants to add relative to that? I was I was thinking actually about one of the more recent um, podcast sessions as well on from the Office of Spiritual Care and Worship and Academic Counselors and that that tension. Um, one of the ways that we want students to develop the ability to steward creation and culture is by nurturing their own emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. Um, and and t- to reiterate, right, that tension between the role of stress as something to steward and time and resources as something to steward. We want to both develop resilience um, and the ability to do complex, challenging, difficult work without um, ever creating a sense of oppression or defeatism. So what does it look like for um, a high school senior to continue to figure out how do I how do I balance the resources of, of time and energy and, and health, um, particularly in a time after some um, global experiences that have been really draining of, of energy and health. Um, 
And I think, you know, some of that is keeping purpose in mind, right? That my, my purpose is to explore and look into an aspect of creation of, of, um, of interest to me. My purpose is not to have the most perfect annotated bibliography I could ever have. Yeah, and oftentimes there's a reality of anxiety and stress that is an imbalance between the size of the problem, mm-hmm. right, and the, and the availability of resources. So if the problem is so large that I don't have the availability of time resources to be able to solve for it, it just becomes an area of anxiety. So what I would say is one of the things I appreciate most about the capstone is the intentionality of the mentors that have been placed in in, in, in the process to have these types of conversations, to engage oftentimes one-on-one mentor and mentee, to have these conversations, to even be able to say, hey, look, I, I really thought this was a great idea for our project, and I felt like this scope was something that I could handle, but now I'm kind of struggling with this, and now what do I do? How do I get myself out of this when I might have overcommitted to something to begin with? And, and if I think about life as a 54-year-old, and how many times in my life I'm stuck in that same process. Um, and, and with that same type of anxiety, what do I do about that? Well, part of that is being drawn into the community that God's called us to be drawn into, to seek support, to seek understanding, and, and to recraft or remake a way forward. So as we wrap this session up, maybe talk to me about the importance of that mentor-mentee relationship that's been built into this, because we have a tendency to talk about this as a project, but within the context and the scope of a project is a relationship that we hope that grows peer-to-peer, but it's also a relationship we hope that grows between the student and their mentor. So tell me a little bit about that piece, and how is that woven into the fabric of this process? I think one of the things that I appreciate about coming alongside students in work like this is that I am not <laughs> the person with all the answers and the subject area expertise. And by the by the end of this year, we we want them to have confidence in the knowledge that they have developed and the things that they are able to say. So I think it is interacting with students in a different posture than in the classroom. We are providing information about assignments and, and direction and accountability. But we're we're there to facilitate the work that they're doing in this area where God has gifted them or given them interests or experiences um, that have that have sparked their desire to see change in this area. And one of the things I love about these groups is that they're small enough that I can have those one-on-one times with students or very intentional uh, smaller group times, especially when students have the similar projects and similar passions within the same group, we can then collaborate and share together. I might not be an expert on a topic, but there's somebody else in the room who mm-hmm. is, and we can come together and work together for the purpose of this project and it really helps to create a community of learners rather than me as the person talking and you the person taking notes yeah i love the idea and not just the idea but the picture and the practical application of a community of learners particularly a school environment that says we desire to serve a population or a community of learners that are different Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the joys of my life at CCS to, to serve a, a broad population of students, to have 
to have students who take the PSAT and score really, really highly in our national merit finalists and also provide a, a, a full palette of special education resources uh, and everything in between and how that 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 bears God's image for the community that he's called mm-hmm. us into um, in really beautiful and purposeful ways. And actually next week on the podcast, we're going to talk with uh, folks from Exceptional Education, uh, the group of people who provide services to students who need learning support services that that can't be provided only by classroom teachers. Uh, and they're going to talk about how and why we do that. But it's been great to have you all uh, to talk about graduate profile and to start this process of talking about how our aim in the graduate profile shapes everything we do in the curricular and co-curricular programs at CCS. And we're glad to have the capstone and to see our students learn, but we're just as glad uh, that we get to, in a community of learners as adults, to learn from each other mm-hmm. about what works in this process and what doesn't, and how to balance and rebalance the way students use their time during the course of a busy semester or busy year so that they ultimately can flourish, particularly in their senior year. Um, in a lot of ways, the last couple of years have been really complex and unusual. Unprecedented is an overused word, but uh, we're glad to be back in some of these more normative activities, um, whether that be class trips or PSATs or a new capstone project. We think it's a wonderful, uh, beautiful experience to be part of. So thanks for coming on today. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good rest of the day. <music>